Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to discuss how therapy and religion complement each other. So I got a question here from a listener. Well, I guess not a question so much, just a request to respond to a tweet or a question about a tweet. And the tweet is, therapy has stripped religion of any remaining utility. Hmm. Stop finding God and start finding a therapist to help you grapple with the despair that arises from being alive. So is this true? Now that we have therapy and psychology, do we even need religion? Has one replaced the other? Well, I think what's ultimately going on, I think it's indicated by this phrase here, now that I'm reading it again, the despair that arises from being alive. There's just naturally a despair that, that naturally arises from being alive. I think that's a good indication of the error of this statement. Uh, you know, not that religion is better than therapy or therapy is better than religion, but, but they complement each other. I think they need each other. You know, with the rise of psychology in the 19th century and therapy in the 20th century, this is a good indication or a good opportunity to shed some light on what religion is. Likewise, I think religion is a great lens we can use to shed light on different parts of what therapy is, right? They, they complement each other. And I think that's a, the healthiest way and the mo most accurate way to see these two fields, areas of study that I think people generally assume are, are disconnected. Um, but yeah, I think they, they, they need each other. You, you know, it's like when you go into a, a store to buy pants and you, and you hold up a pair and you think, oh, this is a gray pair of pants. Okay, good. I wanted to get a gray pair of pants and this is a gray pair, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna buy these. But then you hold them up to a pair of pants that's actually gray and you go, oh, th this first pair th actually wasn't gray at all, it was green. It only looked gray. But now I can see the greenness Right in the pair of pants. Now, am I just colorblind? Now that I'm comparing it to a pair of pants, that is actually great. That happened to me one time. That's why I'm thinking about it. So let's first distinguish the two. I mean, what is the what is the difference between therapy and a religion or psychology and religion? Therapy is just the process of psychology. We will get to it in the second part of this video. But how do we? Well, what is a human ultimately? A human is a circle. Well, God is a circle. Right, whatever represents God, we'll talk about it in this video. And human is that which seeks to perfect himself into a God. Lowercase g, uppercase g, it ultimately doesn't matter. That, that matters for philosophy. If we're arguing about these concepts in a uh, philosophy classroom, then it matters. But for psychology, it actually doesn't matter. And if you don't understand that, then read about 12,000 pages of Jung and you'll start to get this. So this is a human. A human is a circle and there's three parts to a human generally. A three parts to our psychology generally. This is a framework introduced by Freud, but uh, I, I think um, his, uh, his rendition of this is ultimately based on, uh, we'll just say flawed premises, but there's three parts. There's, a, there's an unconscious or you know what Jung would call a collective unconscious. There's a conscious up here, that which we're aware of, now, let me just start here with the conscious. There's that which we're aware of, and if you're paying attention to the words right that are coming out of my mouth, uh, then this this is in your conscious mind. It's whatever you're aware of in the moment. Then there's this, we'll call it a big part in here. Uh, this is your subconscious or unconscious. I often refer to it as both things. And this is the part of you, of you that you 
are not aware of, yet you can become aware of it, right? So if I say the term skyscraper, you probably were not thinking of skyscraper, now you are. Did I just teach you that term skyscraper? Did, do you, did I just teach you what it is? No, that was already in your mind, you simply were aware of it. So that's an indication that there's this part of our mind that could possibly affect us that is outside of our awareness, yet it can be within our awareness. Then there's this other part of our mind down here that Jung talked about in a bunch of different ways, um, the collective unconscious. It's this part of us that informs who we are. It informs patterns of behavior. It informs our archetypes. It informs uh, a superordinate value, as uh, Jordan Peterson would say, is superordinate values, values that come not from culture, now, culture can change those values and, and change the way we see what's in the collective unconscious, but uh, it doesn't give us these values. These values come from being alive. A certain pattern of behavior, for instance, we'll talk about it. So the idea is, the idea is, is, is this conscious part of ourselves, this conscious part needs to access this unconscious part. We need to live out these patterns of behavior. We need to go through um, certain certain stages in order to be more fully human, in order to get what we want in life, mainly just to, to make the decisions we want to make and stop making the decisions we want to stop making. So this is the process in therapy. We clear up all the confusion in here, you know, all the resentments, all the secrets, all the frustrations, all the jealousies that we don't really have access to uh, directly. Well, we do have access to them directly, but we don't really look at, yet these are, you know, are affecting our behavior. You know, a great example of this is you break up with a girl because she's no good for you. You can see objectively she's no good for you, but a couple weeks later you see her out at a bar with another guy who, I don't know, looks like, he's like better looking than you are, or it looks like he's richer than you are. And now you start to get jealous. Well, but why are you jealous? You didn't want to be with her anyways, yet the jealousy is coming up. Well, what's going on there? That was something, that was some issue that you had that you weren't aware of, like when I said skyscraper. That was some idea in your, in your mind that you had that you weren't aware of when I said it. Now you know, now you're thinking of a skyscraper. Now when this image shows up of this girl, of your ex-girlfriend out with this guy who is clearly richer than you are, right? That's what the insecurity projects out. Um, okay, that, she didn't cause that issue. Right? That issue was there. Seeing that image and all your insecurities that you didn't know were there that were projected onto it, that uh, right, it didn't cause the issue. Those issues were already there. And I would argue those issues are even were even influencing your behavior outside of your awareness that kept you, those issues kept you from living out this programming here that we need to access in order to live a healthy life. So that's what, re that's what therapy does. Therapy, we figure out all this crap in here to get to the good stuff, to get to how you ultimately want to live. Not to seem cool, not to get validation from anybody else, but ways of living, ways of being in the world that, that you want to incorporate only because you want to incorporate those ways of being. Now what religion is, Religion, in a sense, gives you the answers in the back of the book. It takes this information here, and we have a, a symbolism. We, we do symbolic formation, and we, we see this in dreams all the time. Like a dream is a great representation, usually, of, of what you're going through right now in the moment. I, I just had a great dream last night that just perfectly symbolized everything that's going on in my life right now. 
uh, in a way that I, I probably couldn't have done consciously, right? But it was a great symbolic representation of, yeah, what I'm feeling right now, what I'm going through right now. And so what religion does is religion takes this information, takes these patterns of behavior, and it projects them out as symbols. As symbols like uh, a cross, right? Uh, sun symbolism, they're, you know, like the Star of David, like masculinity, femininity combined kind of symbolism. And it says, these are the answers that you need. This is what you're looking for. These are the answers, in a sense, in the back of the book. Therapy is going through and, you know, doing all the problems yourself and figuring out what this symbolism is for you. Now, now when I say it's the answers in the back of the book, that may seem like a pejorative because, you know, we all, we all know those people like in college, uh, there's this girl in my chemistry class and uh, like we were in a group together and whenever, I mean, it was just, you know, so obvious that she wasn't going to do well because whenever she came up to a, not that she was dumb, I'm, I mean, I think she was actually really smart, but whenever she came to a problem in the, in the textbook, uh, you know, she felt a little bit uncomfortable. She got 2% you know, frustrated. Immediately, she would look at the answer in the back of the book. And of course, you don't learn anything. You look at the answer in the back of the book, you're like, oh yeah, I would have gotten that. But of course, you're not actually learning. So it's a, it sounds kind of a, a pejorative when I say it's the answers in the back of the book. But I think religion can be good guidance when we understand symbolically what it represents. And I think this um, dovetails a little bit into a video that I released a few weeks ago on toxic theology where I do cover some of this stuff. Um, so that's the general difference between therapy and religion. Do we, do we get that? I'm going to erase this. And... You know, do one of my uh, things that I like to do because my goal is ultimately to be taught at Harvard Business School. We'll do a two by two diagram here. Um, okay, so we have psychology here. We have religion here. And then on, on this side, on the uh, X, or the Y axis, excuse me, boy, it's been, been a while since math. Then we have uh, process and answers. Okay, so what is the process for psychology? Well, this is, I mean, I mean, this is what psych therapy is, exactly. Everything that you can do in therapy, you know, meditation, which ultimately, you know, psychology got from religion, uh, you know, any, any kind of cognitive techniques, um, you know, any kind of uh, going through your past, creating a story for your life, creating a myth for your life, anamnesis, as Jung would say. Uh, yeah, yeah, any kind of therapy, any, any kind of therapy that is here. That is the process of psychology. Now, what's the process of religion? Well, there's a bunch of things. I mean, there's um, confession, right? That's one. I mean, there's just the community. There's the community aspect of going to church and... Uh, you know, okay, so there's mass if you're Catholic. And there's just lots of things that you can do. There's, uh, you know, certain rituals. Like like different religious practice has, practices have different rituals. I mean, they're all ultimately the same thing when we look at it from this symbolic perspective. Uh, so that's the process of religion to get to the answers. Now, what are the answers in psychology? Well, uh, okay, so like there, there's CRT. They have their answers in the back of the book. This is the oppression narrative, right? The oppression narrative of CRT. They, this is the ultimate cause of your issue, and this is what you need to engage with on some level uh, 
even though there's really nothing you can do to change the oppression narrative aside from overthrowing society. So that is one answer in the back of the book. Uh, another answer would just you know be the the cognitive emotion behavior triangle of, of CBT. Uh, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Right, how do you change your emotions and, and behavior? Will you change your cognitions? How do you change your um, cognitions and behavior? Will you change your emotions? And they each affect each other, right? So that's one, in a sense, you could say answer in the back of the book. Also, you know the archetypes. Um, I'll just put archetypes here. You know, the most important archetype being that of the self. How do you develop a self? That is ultimately the answer to the therapeutic process. Those are just different ideas of what the answer could be for therapy. And then for religion, what are the answers? I mean, these are this is more obvious. This is what religion is mostly about, and this is what it emphasizes. So we have a... Okay, yeah, so there's God, right? Some superordinate value... Right? And then we have the savior, the savior story. Uh, right? Uh, this, this being who, who we, uh, or this, this human who, who we strive to be like, you know, Jesus, right? So that's one savior story. What it's essentially saying now, right, to go back to my toxic theology presentation, what toxic theology would say is no, Jesus existed, he did these things, and, and there's, really ultimately no way you can live like Jesus or God is this one thing that is outside of you that is in, in control of everything it is um, a literally true phenomenon not just a psychologically true and we have the answers right we have the answers in the back of the book and you better you better align yourself with these answers no we do not take this stuff symbolically at all you better align yourself with these answers. Oh, you have a, a slightly indifferent interpretation of this adjective, in, you know, in this uh, in this verse of this holy text. Okay, well now we're going to start a war. That is toxic theology. Toxic atheism is in a sense saying uh, these answers in the back of the book they don't exist. It's all an illusion. But of course, you can't really live your life like that. So that's why we have toxic atheists, you know, taking up something like CRT. They don't know that this is becoming the religion. I mean, people talk about that a lot. But it is. But ultimately, right, healthy theology and healthy atheism look very similar, especially psychologically. I, even similar philosophically, but especially psychologically, they're really the same thing. They're saying, look, all this stuff here, all these answers, they're all symbolic representations of something going on. They're all true. The question is, what are they true of? And however you want to relate with what God is, with what some savior story is, whether it's Jesus or whether it's Maverick and Top Gun, however you want to create a relationship with this archetype, ultimately, this archetypal way of living in uh, a, a way that's conducive to who you are as a human, this pattern of behavior. Right, right, and there's a bunch of archetypes. Like, well, I'm not going to write them out, but okay. So, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. I, I did a bunch of videos on those. What where those archetypes come from? Those are four archetypal ways of being for a human. Now, do you be a king, warrior, magician, lover? Well, the the trick is to be at the center, right? I, I mean, it's part of the archetype. The trick is to be at the center where you can incorporate all these all these aspects of being a human into one whole one whole individuated you are not able to be divided among yourself one individuated whole and that's yeah that's where we get um the cross and the self right the savior i would argue from uh i would uh 
uh, humbly say I'm, I'm a healthy atheist, the, the Savior story, that is, this is just a representation of how we become a self. Of course, you sacrifice yourself on the cross, on the symbolic cross, to, uh, and, and you rise up. You die because it's a terrible experience because you have to integrate parts of yourself. You have to see parts of yourself that you don't want to see. In the moment, it, it's a horrific experience, and you may even feel like you're dead for three days on the couch. But you need to go through this process over and over again to, to rise up to a higher plane of existence, right? And so that's, I mean, is that a good uh, uh, delineation between therapy and religion? Um, is that helpful? So, so what do we do with this information? Ultimately, we... Uh, we want to get the answers in the back of the book. You you need some kind of answer, but it can't be somebody else's answer, I would say, ultimately. Now, you can use somebody else's answer for a time being. You know, you can go to church and, and they can talk about God and Jesus, you know, all these things that I think are, are just uh, representations of um, reality or who you need to become to be in touch with reality. And even if I'm wrong about that, Right? Even if it is literally about God and Jesus, it, you know, it doesn't matter psychologically. It actually doesn't matter psychologically. Uh, so, so you look at the answers in the back of the book and, and you know, that can be helpful and, and see what other people have found out. You know, see what some guy's uh, visions from, from like 600 years ago, how he saw this cross image. You kind of incorporate that. But ultimately, you need to do the work yourself, whether it's... Um, uh, confession, yeah, that's what I was, is that confirmation? Confession, community, going to church, uh, going, you know, some kind of therapy, what you ultimately need to do to find your own answers. And, you know, this is what we, uh, this is what we talk about here, right? Because what, what I do here, uh, this is what I talk about with my emotional diagrams and exactly how to, not only what emotions are, but how to talk through them. Can you see that? Right, so let's just say this is anxiety. Anxiety comes in as a threat or a loss. It causes anxiety. Now we can do one of uh, three things with it. We can avoid it, which is typically what we do. You know, typically when the anxiety comes in, especially if it's new anxiety, we just don't know how to manage it. So we avoid it. And this causes obsessive thoughts, compulsive behaviors, um, you know, a whole bunch of uh, un unhealthy and symptoms that aren't any fun we start to think that's the problem that's not the problem that's just a result that's just a symptom of how you are managing or, or mismanaging anxiety we can also be destructive with our anxiety right this is a complaining victimhood martyrdom um, feeling like you need to hurt somebody I mean then maybe that's more anger but yeah feeling like you you need to in a sense inflict your anxiety on others and then how we come out of that is we take responsibility for it. Now we feel anxiety again. Now we're in the place where we can look at what the threat and what the loss is for exactly what it is. Not what we think it is, not what we want it to be, not what culture tells us it is, but we look at ourselves, right? We turn the lens inward. What is going on with us? What is the actual threat? What is the actual loss? And then how to, and then, you know, once you're aware of that, once you get really clear about that by talking through this, so yeah, you talk through it. So what are the facts? What are the facts of the situation? What do I feel? How does the anxiety feel? What does it mean to me? How has this affected me in the past? What does this remind me of? And how is it my responsibility? Not 
How is the threat your responsibility necessarily the threat or the loss? That may not be your responsibility. It could be. That may not be your responsibility, but what is your responsibility? If you are old enough to be some semblance of an adult, then it is, then the emotion, then the anxiety, the emotion from that threat or loss is 100% your responsibility. Nobody else is going to come to save you from it. So you got to be very clear, not just say it's your responsibility, but be very clear exactly how it is your responsibility. And you talk through this enough, right? It's just like churning up this unconscious baggage so we can become more aware of it. And then, you know, this, that which represents yourself, in a sense, what you're doing there. So we have the collective unconscious, the unconscious, and then the conscious. What, in a sense, you're, you're churning up this baggage. You're churning up that baggage, becoming ever more aware of it. It's not just uh, your knowledge of what a skyscraper is. That's the easy stuff to turn up, but the difficult stuff to turn up is when, right, going back to the example of when that your uh, ex-girlfriend shows up with the, with the guy who's clearly better looking and clearly must be richer than you are. How is that your issue? And that has been your issue for a long time. It could have been your issue since you were five, and now you're only seeing it in this situation. And so it's so easy to say, oh, that's, it's, what's going on out there. No, that's all a mirage. That's all a mirage. It's all a reflection of what is going on in here, right? We don't have relationship problems. We have problems with ourselves that manifest as relationships. We don't have work problems. We don't have study problems. We have problems with our psychology that manifest outside of us. So yeah, that's, that's what we do. Like we talk through these issues in this way, um, churn up, you know, go to church. Like I'm a, if you have some kind of healthy relationship with whatever kind of faith, go, go, you know, integrate it. Uh, hopefully that's a healthy part of the therapeutic experience. Well, I'm not trying to replace religion here. In fact, I think healthy therapy, you, you know it's healthy because it doesn't replace religion. It just, right, like the green pants and the, the gray pants, it just adds contrast. It adds another lens so you can see your religion and you can develop a healthier, a more and more healthy relationship with uh, religion. And that's what we can help you with here, right? By talking through emotions in a certain way. Nobody gets emotions in this way. Don't, I mean, you know, 99.99, effectively 100% of therapists, if you ask them what an emotion is, they, they won't even give you a straight answer, let alone actually diagram it out. And with the diagram, say, well, this is actually how, how you talk through it given that emotions are this way. Here's why we process our issues. Here how, in effect, you become ever more aware of who you are, ever more aware of, uh, ever more able to make the decisions you want to make and stop making decisions that you want to stop making. And I, I, yeah, it just shows the, the concrete boundness, you know, just the inability to think abstractly by, by a quotation like this tweet. Uh, like you have to stop finding God and start doing therapy. Like, like these are two different things. Like therapy is not an outcrop of religion like therapy is not just a, a a differently differentiated i know it doesn't seem like it makes sense but that makes sense a differently differentiated aspect of religion just like religion is a differentiated aspect of psychology and therapy we have to see how they combine and interact um i mean ultimately if you have a therapy that you think replaces religion it's it's not therapy, right? It, it's become a religion at that point, and you are the worst kind of ideologue, the ideologue that doesn't know 
you're an idea a lot, right? Like the worst kind of business is a business that doesn't really think they're a business, right? But they are. They're, they can't be honest with themselves enough to say. Same thing with um, ideologues and ideology. Um, so yeah, that's what we can help you with here. We do free consultations. Andmissempire.com slash schedule. And remember that religion and therapy, um, not only do they not contradict each other, but they're actually two sides of the same coin. And they're, they're, and each of the side actually strengthens the other.